Kermit Roosevelt Jr. paced nervously in a small room at the American Embassy in Tehran. It was just after midnight on August 16, 1953. He was waiting for a phone call to confirm the arrest of Iran's Prime Minister, Mohammad Mossadegh. The call never arrived. In the early hours of the morning, Roosevelt heard the rumble of tanks in the streets outside and crowds marching past the embassy. They chanted, Victory to the nation! Mosaddegh has won! At 7 o'clock, Radio Tehran broadcast a special address from the prime minister. He informed the Iranian people that he'd foiled a coup organized by the Shah of Iran and so-called foreign elements. Roosevelt struggled to piece together what happened as reports from his Iranian contacts poured in. The Shah was on a plane to Iraq, exiled. Iranians who had participated in the coup had been arrested. Mossadegh was in full control of the country. Roosevelt had no choice but to prepare a report to his superiors in the United States. But he didn't send it to the State Department or the White House. He sent it to the CIA. Brief and to the point, Roosevelt's report stated that Operation Ajax, the mission to overthrow the Iranian government, had failed. The reply from the CIA was equally curt. As the story is told by some in the CIA, it instructed him to abandon the assignment and leave Iran immediately. They feared his life was in danger. But as Roosevelt read these evacuation orders, he started to form a new plan. Perhaps all was not lost. He disregarded Washington's commands and gathered the few Iranian contacts he had left in the country. Roosevelt was going rogue. The real coup in Iran was about to begin. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is our second episode on Operation Ajax, the CIA mission that allegedly overthrew Iran's democratically elected government in 1953. Last week, we explored what led to the oil crisis in Iran and the rise of the country's nationalistic prime minister, Mohammad Mossadegh. His fight with Britain over petroleum rights devastated Iran's economy. In 1953, the Shah rallied the common people who rose up and deposed Mossadegh. This week, we'll examine the theory that the coup wasn't engineered by the Shah and his supporters at all. Instead, it was the work of a single American CIA agent who used bribery, intimidation, and violence to topple Iran's government. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. 
Dealing with pests is a pain. But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. After the 1953 coup d'etat, Iran's Shah was welcomed home by cheering crowds. He announced that Mossadegh's regime ended because he'd lost the love of the Iranian people. But according to American journalist Stephen Kinzer, Mossadegh's true mistake was losing the favor of the British government. In his 2003 book, All the Shah's Men, Kinzer makes the case that nationalizing the oil industry was possibly the largest factor that led to the coup that destroyed Iran's democracy. Allegedly, the operation was performed by the American CIA, which was confusing because in the 1940s, America supported Iran nationalizing its oil. Somehow, the U.S. turned against Mossadegh. This brings us to conspiracy theory number one. Britain convinced the United States to stage the coup against Iran's democratically elected prime minister. During the early days of the Iranian oil crisis, America sided with Mossadegh and his government. Newspapers in the U.S. lauded the prime minister's statesmanlike qualities and passion to defend his people. Time magazine named Mossadegh Man of the Year. Britain was largely alone in its condemnation of Iran. In 1951, British military leaders drew up plans to invade the country and claim its oil by force. They reached out to their strongest military ally for support, the United States. President Harry Truman, though, was alarmed to hear that Britain was considering an invasion. He promptly called a meeting of his National Security Council to assess this growing global crisis. The news wasn't good. Truman's staff warned that invading Iran would have disastrous consequences. It was likely that Mossadegh would turn to the Soviet Union for help. He already had connections to the communist two-day party, which received orders from the Kremlin. This could be the final push that would turn Iran into a communist state. At that moment in 1951, America was embroiled in the Korean War. 
meaning Truman couldn't afford another country becoming a Cold War battleground. He instructed the State Department to reject Britain's plans for invasion. The Iranian oil crisis needed to be solved peacefully, even if that meant Britain lost its primary source of petroleum. Truman dispatched special envoys to negotiate between the two countries. Britain's invasion plans were shelved, and government officials worked with American mediators. But secretly, Prime Minister Winston Churchill disagreed with Truman. He didn't think it would take an invasion for Iran to fall to the Soviet Union. In fact, it would require much less, largely because of Mosaddegh. Kinzer claims that in private, Churchill called Mosaddegh, quote, an elderly lunatic bent on wrecking his country and handing it over to the communists, end quote. Convinced that the Iranian prime minister had to be replaced, British intelligence officers reached out to Mosaddegh's political opponents, Muslim clerics and Iranian gangsters. They told these contacts that Churchill was willing to finance a coup to overthrow the prime minister. If successful, the conspirators would be rewarded politically and financially. But in October 1952, Mosaddegh caught wind of the plot. In response, he closed the British embassy and expelled its workers from Iran. By the end of the year, Churchill didn't have a single intelligence asset in the country. Again, British intelligence reached out to the United States for aid. They asked if America was willing to use their personnel to carry out the coup, and again, the Truman administration refused to get involved. But then, the presidential election changed everything. Truman was succeeded by Dwight D. Eisenhower, who had campaigned on an aggressive anti-communist platform. Churchill hoped that this new administration would be more open to intervening in Iran if he aligned it with Eisenhower's priorities. Two weeks after the election, Churchill sent a diplomat to Washington to meet with Alan Dulles, Eisenhower's soon-to-be CIA director. The British envoy painted Mosaddegh as a weak leader who would be unable to resist the inevitable coup by the two-day communists. And while Dulles was easily persuaded, the incoming president would be harder to convince. Like his predecessor, Eisenhower was reluctant to meddle in Iranian politics. In January of 1953, he met with Churchill in New York, and the president made it clear that when it came to Iran, he thought all that Britain had done was bully a weaker nation. However, the situation in Iran was growing violent even without direct foreign intervention. On February 28, 1953, a mob attacked the Iranian prime minister's home in Tehran. The crowd was led by one of Iran's most infamous gangsters called Shaban the Brainless. Mosaddegh's front gate was smashed in, forcing the prime minister to escape over the back wall in his pajamas. Though these attackers claimed to be rallying in support of the Shah, they were paid by Mosaddegh's political enemies. This encounter prompted Iran's prime minister to arrest many of his political opponents, a move that angered the people. But across the Atlantic, the attack on Mosaddegh's home had a more sinister effect. It confirmed American suspicions that he was losing political support and would soon be overthrown. 
Kinzer believes that Eisenhower first began to change his mind about the idea of regime change at a National Security Council meeting on March 4, 1953. There, he was shown a bleak analysis of Iran's prospects. His advisors anticipated that the country would inevitably become a dictatorship under Mossadegh. As long as the prime minister was in control of Iran, the country was stable. But if he died or was assassinated, the two-day communists would take over and ally with the Soviet Union. Other countries in the Middle East could follow suit, leading the Soviet Union to own more than 60% of the world's oil reserves. It could mean their victory in the Cold War. If this was true, Eisenhower had a choice after that fateful meeting. Either he could order the overthrow of Mossadegh, or the Soviet Union would. Eisenhower was sold. Within two weeks, Operation Ajax was set into motion. His administration wired $1 million to the CIA station in Tehran, about $9.8 million today. The officer there was to use the money to bring about the fall of Mohammed Mosaddegh. While Kinzer's narrative about the political intrigue behind Iran's 1953 coup is thrilling, for nearly 50 years, both the CIA and Britain's MI6 denied it. To say that they had a role in it was just another conspiracy theory. But that all changed in March of 2000, when American Secretary of State Madeleine Albright acknowledged the United States' role in the 1953 coup. In a speech to the American-Iranian Council in Washington, D.C., she said that the United States played a significant role. Albright was sparse with details. She only claimed the Eisenhower administration believed intervention was justified at the time. But the covert operations irreparably harmed relations between America and Iran. That wasn't the last time the American government was forced to address Operation Ajax. In 2009, U.S. President Barack Obama spoke of America's actions in Iran during a speech in Cairo, Egypt. It was the first time an American president had mentioned the coup. And though he, too, left the details vague, Obama said that to find future peace, both nations had to acknowledge the past. Finally, in 2013, a research institution called the National Security Archive filed a Freedom of Information Act with the CIA. They wanted to see the documents about the 1953 revolution, and they got them. Exactly 60 years after the coup, the CIA released a trove of papers. They explicitly stated that the military coup was carried out under CIA direction as an act of U.S. foreign policy. Given the extensive evidence provided from Madeleine Albright, Barack Obama, and even the CIA itself, it's clear conspiracy theory number one is true. Britain convinced the Eisenhower administration to take action in Iran. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most believable, I give this a 10 out of 10. I also give this theory a 10. The evidence for the U.S.'s involvement is overwhelming, and it fits perfectly with American strategy at the time, combat communism. However, 
I will note that even though Operation Ajax was approved, that doesn't mean it went according to plan. And the unintended consequences affected U.S. and Iranian relations for decades. Coming up, one CIA agent goes rogue and changes the course of Iran forever. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Now back to the story. In 1953, the Eisenhower administration approved a plan called Operation Ajax, which aimed to overthrow Iran's government. One million dollars was wired to the CIA station in Tehran. A single officer named Kermit Roosevelt was essentially given carte blanche to depose the prime minister and install a new regime in Iran. While it seemed the plan was foiled on the early morning of August 16th, when it became apparent that Mosaddegh caught wind of it, somehow, four days later, the prime minister was imprisoned. The Shah was the undisputed leader of Iran. Conspiracy theory number two stipulates that when Operation Ajax failed, Roosevelt went rogue and disobeyed orders from the CIA. He sowed chaos in Tehran, which helped install the Shah's new regime, actions that changed Iran forever. In 1953, Kermit Roosevelt Jr. was a rising star in the CIA. He was the grandson of President Theodore Roosevelt and shared his grandfather's enthusiasm for adventure, and he had considerable experience in the Middle East. Naturally, he was the CIA's first choice to run Operation Ajax. When he received his orders from Washington, he was ecstatic. 
Roosevelt immediately flew to Beirut, then snuck into Iran through the deserts of Syria and Iraq. He entered the country on July 19th. It was already a tumultuous time, granted that several members of the Iranian parliament had recently resigned in protest of Mossadegh's rule. The prime minister announced a referendum to dissolve the legislative body and rule via emergency powers. He was making himself a dictator. Iran was a tinderbox, and Roosevelt was eager to light the fuse. He assumed a fake name, James Lockridge, and rented a villa in Tehran. Soon, he was meeting with the current CIA and MI6 assets in the country and recruiting new ones. To carry out Operation Ajax was relatively simple and involved four main components. First, Roosevelt would stoke resentment in the streets of Iran. He and his associates would bribe Muslim clerics, newspapers, and gangsters to undermine Mossadegh's authority. Second, they would use military officers to arrest Mossadegh and proclaim his rule illegitimate. Third, mobs paid by the CIA would fill the streets and seize important government buildings, police headquarters, and radio stations. And finally, a new prime minister would emerge and take control of the chaotic situation. That person, of course, was an Iranian general chosen in advance by the CIA and MI6. The British recruited this new prime minister in 1952, a political opponent of the prime minister named Fazlollah Zahedi. But it was the CIA who contacted him about joining this new coup operation, specifying that he would be working with the Americans, not the British. General Zahedi agreed and received nearly $100,000 from the CIA to buy his loyalty. But the rest of the plan was far more complicated. Roosevelt needed to create an intense psychological campaign against Mossadegh. Control of the press was critical, so the CIA used bribes and political connections to manipulate nearly all of the newspapers in Iran. Articles in these papers were written by operatives and functioned as propaganda designed to portray Mossadegh as a communist sympathizer and a fanatic. This undermined the prime minister's support among both working-class and upper-middle-class Iranians. Next, Roosevelt organized various riots and demonstrations against Mossadegh. Iranian instigators like Shaban the Brainless marshaled droves of vicious mobs to fill the streets. By the summer of 1953, Mossadegh was isolated and unpopular. Now, all the CIA needed was the justification to dismiss Mossadegh from his post. The prime minister dissolved parliament. The CIA allegedly claimed that only one other office in the Iranian constitution could legally order Mossadegh to step down, the Shah of Iran himself. However, the Shah wasn't receptive to Roosevelt's advances. In fact, the king sent away CIA assets who approached him. Not only did the Shah believe Operation Ajax would fail, he feared Mossadegh would inevitably retaliate against himself and his family. Operation Ajax couldn't move forward without the Shah, so Roosevelt persuaded and bribed several of his advisors to join the CIA initiative. Once they were on board, they put pressure on the king. Eventually, worn down, the Shah was ready to consider taking part in the coup on one condition. 
he must meet with Kermit Roosevelt in person. In early August, Roosevelt agreed. The Shah sent a car to his villa, which the CIA agent climbed into the back seat of. He hid under a blanket as the car passed through Tehran's various security checkpoints. No one could know that the King of Iran was meeting with an American. When Roosevelt arrived at the palace, the Shah greeted him warmly. Once inside, the CIA agent explained the premise of Operation Ajax. He assured his host that it had the full support of the American and British governments. As proof, Winston Churchill had arranged for a secret code word to be aired on the BBC the following night. Instead of ending the broadcast with the phrase, it is now midnight, the station would announce, it is now exactly midnight. This minor change would go unnoticed by all but the Shah of Iran. It was clear to Roosevelt, though, despite these assurances, that the Iranian monarch still had reservations about the plan. Frustrated, he offered an ultimatum. Either the Shah agreed to participate immediately, or Roosevelt would launch a new operation without him. The king was either with the CIA or against it. It wasn't a choice at all. The Shah agreed to do whatever the CIA required of him. Roosevelt covertly met with the leader nearly every night for the next several days as they ironed out the details of the coup. A few days prior to August 15th, the Shah would sign two royal decrees, or firmans, written by Roosevelt and his Iranian associates. The first document would dismiss Mosaddegh as Iran's prime minister. The second named General Zahedi as his successor. This would be delivered by the Shah's loyal Imperial Guard. Their leader was Colonel Nasiri, one of Roosevelt's Iranian contacts. Though Roosevelt was confident that the plan would work, the Shah requested to leave Tehran before the firmans were delivered to Mosaddegh. If Operation Ajax did fail, he wanted to be far from Mosaddegh's influence. Roosevelt agreed to his terms. After months of planning and hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes, finally, on August 15th, Roosevelt ordered the coup to begin. As agreed, the Shah had signed the firmans, and Colonel Nasiri was sent to arrest Mosaddegh. Once the operation was in motion, there was nothing Roosevelt could do but wait. He retreated to his command center in the basement of the American embassy. As we mentioned in part one, an informant told Mosaddegh about the coup. Colonel Nasiri and his men were arrested, and the Shah fled. Roosevelt watched helplessly from the American embassy as his plans crumbled around him. Many of his fellow conspirators were arrested or went into hiding. Pro-Mosaddegh supporters marched in the streets, chanting their support for their prime minister. Despondent, Roosevelt updated his superiors in Washington, informing them of the coup's failure. And the Eisenhower administration immediately tried to minimize the damage. An official from the State Department sent Eisenhower a memo stating that the United States had no choice but to, quote, snuggle up to Mosaddegh, end quote. In the wake of the unsuccessful operation's mess, the CIA sent a short message to Roosevelt. Though no copy of this note survived, sources say it warned Roosevelt that his life was in danger. He should evacuate Iran immediately. 
But as politicians in Washington accepted defeat, Roosevelt assessed his options. Mosaddegh himself believed the Shah coordinated the coup. With the king fleeing the country, the prime minister assumed the danger was over. He had no idea that the CIA was involved or that Kermit Roosevelt even existed. His defenses were down. And Roosevelt still had resources, like copies of the Shah's decrees, thousands of dollars in funding, and General Zahedi hiding out in the city. The element of surprise was on his side. Disregarding his orders from Washington, Roosevelt instead drove through Tehran to the apartment where Zahedi was hiding. He asked the general if he was willing to try again. Zahedi agreed. Operation Ajax was back in motion, but this time, Roosevelt was in complete control. The rogue CIA agent then smuggled Zahedi to another safe house and told him to reach out to his military contacts. Soon, they would be needed to seize Iran's capital. Then, Roosevelt returned to the American embassy. He believed that the only chance at overthrowing Mosaddegh lay with the Iranian people. They had to be mobilized against the prime minister and side with the now-exiled Shah. He had to sow chaos. Roosevelt used his connections to acquire a copy machine, a rarity in 1953 Iran. However unwieldy and difficult to operate, he nonetheless procured one and had it delivered to the embassy. After printing copy after copy of the Shah's decrees, They were distributed to newspapers, Muslim clerics, and people on the street. By the next morning, the Furmans were on the front page of every major newspaper in the country. The public began to doubt Mosaddegh's story. Perhaps there hadn't been a coup after all. The whispers of disbelief that the prime minister disobeyed a direct order from the Shah grew louder. According to Iran's ancient traditions, royal power was sacred, and not even the prime minister was above it. It was exactly the narrative Roosevelt wanted them to believe. Soon, new mobs filled the already chaotic streets of Tehran. They claimed to be Mosaddegh supporters and communists, but they left a path of destruction. The people of Iran were enraged, which was the point. After all, these weren't really Mosaddegh supporters at all. These rioters were hired by Roosevelt. If Iran slid into anarchy, he believed that the populace would welcome military intervention. In order to cause maximum destruction, Roosevelt then filled the streets with paid pro-Shah protesters. These hired crowds attracted real supporters from both sides. Over the next three days, brawls erupted in the streets. But Roosevelt became concerned. Mosaddegh might resort to the police to rein in the pro-Shah protesters. He needed a new tactic. That was when the American ambassador to Iran approached him and offered to help. Roosevelt knew that Mosaddegh was a politician at heart who valued etiquette and courtesy. He decided to exploit that weakness. Roosevelt told the ambassador to alert the prime minister that Americans in Iran were being harassed by his supporters. The ambassador leapt at the opportunity. He met with Mosaddegh and claimed that American citizens were under serious threat, like having their cars vandalized and their homes attacked. But this was all a lie. And Mosaddegh fell for it. 
Horrified for how this would be perceived internationally, he ordered the police into the streets to quell the violence and told all of his supporters to stand down. He would not tolerate these acts of aggression against guests in Iran. This ruse worked. Mosaddegh effectively disarmed himself. On Wednesday, August 19th, only the Shah supporters took to the streets. They yelled, death to Mosaddegh and long live the Shah, as they destroyed pro-Mosaddegh newspapers, government buildings, and the central police station. Then, General Zahedi activated his military contacts, sending soldiers and tanks into Tehran. Mosaddegh's home was surrounded and attacked. Zahedi announced victory on Radio Tehran, and the Shah was welcomed back to Iran. Operation Ajax was a success. The Shah returned and met with Roosevelt one last time before the CIA agent left Iran. The victorious king raised his glass and said, quote, I owe my throne to God, my people, my army, and to you. End quote. In 1979, Kermit Roosevelt published a memoir about his time in Iran titled Countercoup. It followed his life from the beginning of his involvement with Project Ajax to the return of the Shah. Many critics believed it to be self-aggrandizing and embellished. Several of the parties involved, including the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company, which changed its name to British Petroleum Company Limited in 1954, called the book libelous. Behind the scenes, there was pressure on Roosevelt's publisher to recall the book and reissue a new version, one that omitted key details about Operation Ajax. It wasn't until the CIA released their files in 2013 that official support for Kermit's narrative ballooned. He did, in fact, play a central role in the operation and was critical to its success. While Roosevelt's story is spectacular, to the point of being hard to believe at times, official government files did verify it. The slight gap in information about Roosevelt's order to evacuate is the only thing that doesn't align perfectly for me. For that reason, I give conspiracy theory number two a nine out of 10. I'm more inclined to give this theory a 10 out of 10. It's undeniable that Roosevelt used the resources of the CIA to overthrow Mosaddegh and install the Shah as the undisputed leader of Iran. Washington used the 1953 coup as evidence that covert regime change could work. It would be emulated in nations across the globe, and the consequences would be felt for decades. Coming up, the 1953 coup in Iran changes world politics forever. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In 1953, CIA officer Kermit Roosevelt masterminded a covert mission to overthrow Iran's prime minister. 
Supposedly, this plan, Operation Ajax, was to prevent the Middle Eastern country from falling under communist control. Thanks to Roosevelt's connections and improvisations, the mission was a success. The Shah of Iran became a close ally of the United States. But in 1979, he was deposed by the Islamic Revolution. Iran became a theocracy ruled by a supreme religious leader. Its relations with America deteriorated. Some claim the seeds of this revolution were planted in 1953. Which brings us to conspiracy theory number three. Operation Ajax crushed democracy in Iran and created strife that has plagued the Middle East for generations. After the 1953 coup d'etat, the Shah ruled Iran uncontested. Like his father, he had complete control over the country. Even his secret police, known as Savak, which hunted down his enemies, were allegedly trained by CIA operatives. The Iranian people chafed under his rule, and in 1979, Iran was racked by another coup. This time, it was the Shah who was the one deposed. The populace instead rallied around a religious leader, Ruhollah Khomeini. He preached that Iran was being destroyed by the Shah and his Western allies. The only way forward was a return to strict Islamic rule. The Shah fled the country as Khomeini's followers filled the streets and raided military armories. The king hoped that America and the CIA would help him reclaim his throne, like they did in 1953. Unfortunately for him, that wasn't the case. Khomeini consolidated his power and created a new government. The Shah died in exile. The Islamic Revolution of 1979 caught American leaders unprepared. They believed the Shah would be able to quell the unrest. More importantly, they greatly underestimated the anti-American sentiment in the country. Tensions came to a head on November 4, 1979, when thousands of Iranian students assaulted the United States Embassy. They took 52 American citizens hostage and held them in captivity for 444 days. The hostage takers cited their reason for targeting the embassy. It was where Roosevelt ran Operation Ajax in 1953. To them, the building symbolized America's meddling in Iranian affairs. The hostage crisis became a cultural touchstone of modern Iran. It was the first time that the country struck back against what they viewed as American aggression. After the Islamic Revolution, Iran's government became increasingly repressive. It rejected all American and Western influence and has funded terrorist groups throughout the Middle East. It remains hostile towards the United States diplomatically. But in his book, All the Shah's Men, Stephen Kinzer states that the revolution of 1979 and all of the tragedies since were preventable. If the CIA hadn't overthrown Mosaddegh, Iran could be a beacon of democracy in the Middle East today. Kinzer argues that Mosaddegh symbolized the moderate liberals of Iran. The prime minister embraced political ideals, values, and institutions common in the West. His movement to nationalize the oil industry may have been inspired by Britain's own nationalization of various industries. Ironically, Britain was trying to stop Mosaddegh from doing the very thing they'd done themselves. 
by overthrowing Mossadegh, the CIA destroyed the political party that saw America as an ally to be emulated. Instead, it pushed Iranian politics to the brink and poisoned its people against America. On the other hand, though, Mossadegh's government may have crumbled even without the CIA's interference. Dr. Ray Takei, an expert on Iran and the Middle East, believes that Operation Ajax only succeeded because the Iranian people wanted the prime minister gone. Takei claims that Mossadegh's handling of the oil crisis decimated the country's economy. Many Iranians didn't support the prime minister's resolve to keep the British out of the oil industry, no matter the cost. That was more than enough to make him deeply unpopular. Furthermore, Mossadegh dissolved parliament and ruled Iran with emergency powers well before Operation Ajax began. It appeared that the country was no longer a democracy. He was a dictator. While Mossadegh may have reinstated parliament after the crisis passed, there's no way to be certain how or if fair elections would have resumed. Mossadegh's actions sparked anger in Iran long before Kermit Roosevelt arrived on the scene. And though the CIA paid many Iranians to protest in the streets, thousands of regular people joined them. Operation Ajax didn't create the movement against Mossadegh. Instead, it amplified the sentiment that was already there. One piece of evidence that supports this view comes from Kermit Roosevelt himself. After his success in Iran, the CIA asked him to perform a similar mission in 1954. He was to depose the democratically elected leader of Guatemala. But Roosevelt told his superiors that the mission wouldn't work. Unlike Iran, the Guatemalan people weren't eager to get rid of their president. After Roosevelt declined to lead the operation, the CIA went forward with the mission anyway. It had disastrous consequences. The Eisenhower administration contended that Operation PB Success prevented communism from taking root in Guatemala. CIA Director Alan Dulles considered it a success of democracy. But thousands of Guatemalans were killed in the chaotic aftermath. The CIA's actions were universally condemned by other nations. Finally, it's possible that if the CIA hadn't launched a coup in Iran, another world power might have. The two-day Communist Party was extremely powerful in Iran. Mossadegh was able to keep them in check, but Soviet backing could have helped them overthrow the prime minister and install their own regime. If Iran and other countries in the Middle East had sided with the Soviet Union, the outcome of the Cold War could have changed entirely. There's no way to know for sure what Iran would look like today if Operation Ajax didn't take place. It's possible that Mossadegh would have won his battle with Britain, oil wealth would have flowed into Iran, and it would have become a prosperous world power. Or Mossadegh would have been overthrown by his own people or a communist Baku. In either case, the outcome for both Iran and the world would be quite bleak indeed. With the evidence we have, it seems likely that Operation Ajax did damage Iran's political institutions and its people. I give conspiracy theory number three a seven out of 10. If the CIA stayed out of Iran, it would have averted all the death and destruction that followed. On the other hand, it's impossible to predict the future using hypotheticals. I give this theory a five out of 10. 
The evidence we've laid out does make sense, but there's simply no way to know where Mossadegh's government would have ended up. It could have gone either way. Today, the CIA's intervention in Iran is considered a grave mistake. It violated the sovereignty of an American ally and pushed its government towards extremism. Critics of Operation Ajax claim that the deciding factor in the 1953 coup was Kermit Roosevelt and the CIA. In this version of events, the Iranian people were used as pawns. But the reality is not black and white. Placing full responsibility for the coup on the CIA discounts the will of the Iranian people themselves. Kermit Roosevelt may have lifted the curtain, but the stage was set long before him. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Of the many sources we used, we found All the Shaw's Men by Stephen Kinzer to be the most helpful in our research. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Evan McGahey, with writing assistance by Nicholas Wart and Mackenzie Moore, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. (laughs) 